0: Hey, so happy, uh, long Labor Day weekend. If you have a long weekend, happy to you. If you don't, that's, that's okay. We'll, we'll work through it and we'll get through it together. Um, I'm working today, right? So uh, you, if you've got to work tomorrow, it's, uh, it's all good. Uh, some of you are online this morning. You're out camping and, and enjoying enjoying that. So enjoy your burgers and hot dogs. And, uh, and for the last several years, as Adria mentioned, we have made Labor Day weekend Compassion Sunday. And I just think that it's a great reminder for us at least once a year. I mean, we talk about compassion more than just once a year, but for us to just think about circumstances and life and places around the world that are outside of our own little bubble and that other people have different experiences and that not everybody uh, grew up in the richest country in the world. And there are things out there that can use our attention, uh, can use our uh, resources. And so we just, we like to highlight that. And so I'm wearing the shirt this morning. You'll see Sarah out in the lobby after church as well, uh, wearing the shirt. She's our outreach and youth director, and she'll be able to answer any questions that you might have. Adria already mentioned uh, the two tables that we have out there, but I just want to give you a couple couple more details. One is uh, when you sponsor a child through compassion, you are helping them with food, with clothing, with education, and you're doing that and setting them up for uh, just a different life experience than what they might already have. And I just want to let you know as you go through those names and look at those uh, Look at the the cards that are on the table. Those are all the kids that uh, that we have put out are all kids that have been the longest without being sponsored. All right. So uh, just so you know that when you look at those. Also, one of the kids on the table, <clears throat> his name is Santa, and I'm just saying this September, Christmas is coming, and uh, Santa was born on December 23rd. And I'm just saying, if you wanna, you know, if you wanna have a good Christmas this year. You're gonna, I'm, I'm just kidding, Like it's, it's alright, not, not, it's not gonna be a hard sell. Um, but this is a great thing for your family to, to kind of come around. Uh, we support a child, uh, her name is Malove, she's from Haiti, and uh, we do that as a family together, and it's a very meaningful experience for us, so just, just, it, it's an opportunity for you to check out. Uh, the The baby bottles that Adria mentioned, um, we do not want you to bring those back with milk. That's, that's not what we're looking for, uh, so please, please don't do that. Um, but these are, again, another opportunity for you and your family. And you can take more than one. Make it a competition. See who can put more change in the bottle. And you're thinking, change? I don't ever have change anymore. I don't even carry cash. Let me, let me say let me, two things. Two, 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 two things. You can write a check and put in the bottle if you want to you can You can put whatever you have in there and, and want to do that. You can give them online if you want. Let me just give you a challenge for this month. Pay with cash and see if you can still do math when when you do that and make sure they hand you the right the right change back or something like that and just take that change and put it. Uh, put it in the bottle, it's a great opportunity to support the Pregnancy Resource Center. Um, if you're not familiar with the pregnancy, center of, uh, pregnancy Resource Center of Metro Richmond, they have two different locations around Richmond, and, and let me just read to you like their, their mission, what, what they do. Uh, they're committed to providing compassionate care to women and men unprepared for pregnancy by offering resources and practical assistance for life-affirming choices. All of their services are free and they're confidential. Um, And and just so you know, we've supported them uh, throughout throughout the years, different things. We've done different projects, uh, done different fundraisers with them, Walk for Life. And I I just wanna let you know um, that their approach and how they support unplanned mothers and fathers and the support they provide for the whole family, for the baby, for moms and dads, uh, go far beyond just uh, just the time of birth. And uh, it's a great organization, the way that they approach things um, and the way that they help people. Um, again, uh, is uh, I'm grateful for the services they provide and the thoughtful care and consideration uh, that they give. And so a great opportunity for you to take. Uh, the bottles that we have on the table, we have more. So take as many as you want home and do that. Um, and that would be that would be amazing, a uh, great way to teach teach your family and engage in, in generosity. One other thing I want to mention too is Compassion Sunday. So we're talking about all the kinds of different ways we can get engaged in different ways. Is that um, we serve with Fresh Start for single mothers and their children. So it's a community uh, partner, a ministry partner that we've uh, had since our beginning at Velocity. And we've got a couple flyers out there on the black round tables around the coffee. Um, hub Hub there, and uh, they are starting back up and meeting in October, and they need volunteers to help out with the kids classrooms so while they are serving, uh, they feed the whole family, while they are serving the moms, uh, they have classrooms for, for the kids and activities to help, help them with homework, that kind of thing. So if you have some availability on Thursday evenings to share uh, an hour or two with some kids that uh, could really use uh, your attention, we would love for you to check that out and connect with Sylvia. Uh, if you're available to help and like I mentioned Sarah she's going to be wearing this blue shirt not this one because I'm wearing this one Um, she's going to be out there at the table and she can answer any questions for you just to let you know just a moment of um, honesty compassion is not one of my first reactions hopefully that's okay is this a safe place for me to share that It it is not always my first reaction. When I look at other people or when I think about situations, um, my first, I don't know if I should say what my first reaction is, Um, but maybe the nicest way to say it is my first reaction is one of fairness. I I normally think about fairness and I'm thinking, well, maybe that person kind of deserves what they're going through. Like maybe they've made some decisions in their life that haven't been the greatest and maybe it would be good for them to kind of sweat a little bit and think about maybe be inspired to do something different in, in their lives. I work to get myself to the place of compassion, but sometimes I'm slow uh, to get that. Um, now, don't mistake my, my idea of fairness. Don't mistake that for consistent objectivity. You know, I'm, I'm talking about how I feel in the moment when I talk about fairness, right? What I think is fair for somebody else. Now, when something happens to me, you know, I don't want it to happen that way. If something bad happens to me, oh, it's not fair that I have to go through this, even if I did make a dumb decision, you know, to put myself in, the, in that situation. Um, however, hopefully, uh, as I try to become more and more like Jesus, I allow the Holy Spirit to direct me into a different way of thinking. When I think about my own life, when I think about other people, as we you know, are moved into a more godly frame of reference. Listen, it's, it's tough when you have a last name that starts with a letter at the end of the alphabet. All right, it's just tough for Some of you know what I'm talking about. My last name starts with a Y. And for anybody who has a last name that starts with a, some of you A people and B people, you're like, what? I mean, we were always in the front of the line at school for everything, yeah, I know. And some of us had to, you know, it wasn't fair, and we had to work a little bit harder. Um, okay. Uh, you, you don't care about any of that. that that's fine. Let me, let me just share a moment from my life that I'm ashamed about that happened just, it, again, is that okay? It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway, so we can be uncomfortable together if we want to be, um, that I'm ashamed about from a couple weeks ago. My dad and I are on this trip together, and um, we're in this city in England, and we're hanging out. We've got some time before we go tour Windsor Castle, right, so living, living it up, you know, pretty rough 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 day and it's a beautiful gorgeous day and we find this cafe um, and we sit outside there's a pedestrian street next to us and we're just we're eating you know tea we're drinking tea he's drinking coffee and uh but we're having tea and scones or scones depending on where you're from and and just to just kind of give you a picture here the weather is gorgeous it's sunny Temperature's temperature is amazing, we're sitting outside, there's this you know, older couple across from us sitting outside, they've got their golden retriever at, at their feet and they're just eating their tea and, and cake and, and having a great time looking at the newspaper, you're talking with each other, enjoying each other's company. There's another couple that kind of walks up and, and the guy says, hey, can I pet your dog? And so he gets down and he starts petting the dog and the dog gets up you know, he's wagging his tail and starts licking the guy's face, which is really gross. Um, and I don't know why you would let a stranger's dog lick you in the face, because you don't know where that tongue's been. But anyway, I, it's different if it's your own dog. But anyway, they're having a great time, and then, you know, they get up and they go in, and we're just sitting there, we're just enjoying this time. And then all of a sudden, um, I hear this noise. And, and this might be gross, but it's okay, we'll get through it together. But I hear this noise, and it's somebody groaning, <clears throat> and then I hear just a, a noise that sounds like spitting, right? And I noticed people were kind of, kind of looking around. It's coming from behind me. It's over my left shoulder. And I'm sitting there, and you know I'm trying to enjoy, enjoy my tea and my scones. And, and, uh, but the, the noise is just it's not very appetizing. And so I'm kind of like, what is going on? And I look around, and there's this gentleman walking down the pedestrian street. Um, and you can tell that he had just spent the night on the street. And uh, he, he's groaning, and then I realize he's groaning because that, that is always preceding him uh, retching and throwing up on the ground, and then kind of walking, continuing to walk down the street, and I don't know, 20 feet later, you know, he does the same thing, and this is just what he's doing as he goes through. And my first reaction was not one of compassion. Um, My first reaction is, what a jerk. You know, what what is this guy doing? I mean, he is ruining my time here, enjoying my tea and my scones, right? Because, I mean, it's, it's disgusting. And then I have a um, fine-tuned olfactory, you know, senses, and so um, he's walking by about 10 feet by, and I mean, he just, the smell was overwhelming. And so he continues on, and I'm thinking, man, I can't, I can't believe that just happened. We're sitting in this perfect, you know, place, enjoying this time together, and, and that has to happen. This guy, I can't, I can't believe, can you believe people, you know, right? Aren't, aren't you with me? Aren't, don't you feel compassion for me, you know, in this moment? All right, aren't we there, aren't we there together? Um, and uh, and I'm thinking, man. I, okay, okay, so I'm just kind of breathe through. It's like I'm ho- hopefully I can actually finish my food. And so I'm like, okay, I, I get I get over it, and, and I start eating again. Here he comes again. He's coming back back down the street. And I'm like, oh man, again. And then he comes back. Right. So three times. I mean, this guy this guy kind of walks walks back, and every time I have the same same reaction. Um, man, this you know what 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 a what a jerk i can't believe he's ruining this time for me um <clears throat> I, I told you before i'm going to tell you something that i'm ashamed about and uh and i and i meant it when i said that i'm ashamed by that reaction in the moment, I, and, and some of you can relate to where I'm coming from in the moment, right? That's not very fair, right? That I have to deal with somebody else's junk where they've, they've made some poor decisions in their life, right? To get them to that to that point. Now I have to deal with the consequences. Um, and, and yet, I, I, don't think, I don't think that's the reaction Jesus would have. Um, I don't think when Jesus is moved with compassion and that he enters into the mess of people's lives, including my own, that that's, that's what he's thinking. He's like, oh, what's, what's fair for this person in this moment? Compassion is a visceral, visceral reaction that happens. So, so when, when, when the Bible uses the word compassion, it's talking about a visceral, gut-deep feeling that happens that spurs us on to action. And I was having a visceral reaction. I was, a, I was having a gut-deep you know, reaction in that moment, but it wasn't compassion. It was about me and it was about what I wanted and what I thought was fair in the moment. We can talk about fairness. We can talk about what put a person in their situation. And those are all valid conversations. Let's talk about why does this happen? Why is this person here? What decisions have been made? Um, But at some point, if talking is all that is happening and it's just an excuse to be able to remain at arm's length away from situations and life circumstances that maybe we've been lucky enough to be able to avoid in our life, there, there's, there's not much of what God calls us to be happening in our hearts or in our lives. If, if that's all it is, if it's all this talk and it's just just complaining about those things, um, it, it's, it's not really what God calls us to do. Because we've got to think about the perspective in which we, we come before God. It's compassion that caused God to look down on our state of living in a world full of sin, in our own sin, that we have participated in, and that caused him to let go of his privileges. That, that's, what, that's what Jesus did. He doesn't regard his equality with God as something to be grasped, but humbled himself in the form of a servant. And came here as a man to experience what we experienced and, and yet live a perfect life so that we might be redeemed back to God. And he, all, all, all do, he does that all through the lens of compassion. Jesus is regularly moved with compassion. When he is moved by his compassion for humanity, whether it's groups or individuals, it always precedes moments of action in his life. It could be a miraculous healing. It could be some sort of sense of purpose that he gives his disciples. It could be moments of teaching, but some sort of action. And here's Matthew giving a glimpse of this in Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 35 through 38. Um, part of our enjoyment of our redeemed relationship with God is participating in the ministry of Jesus in the way that he did. Being moved with compassion in the lives of other people. So it's not just about what God has done for us in in our lives and how he's changed things. Because what can happen is when we enjoy God, as individuals within our own lives, the, the change in status that we now have with them, hey, now we're saved, now we're good, now we get to look forward to the promise of heaven. Sometimes we, um, as individuals, we can separate ourselves away from people who are not there yet. And, and we think of ourselves maybe a little bit more highly than, than we ought. And maybe we put ourselves in positions like I was at that cafe looking at someone else and thinking, man, you know, well, who could possibly find ourselves in that situation? Well, I've made plenty of dumb decisions in my life, and it's, you know, the, the, the opportunity or chance for me to be in that same position is probably, the percentage is probably not that very different from this other, this other person, yet I put myself in a place of superiority over this person rather than recognizing the common humanity, the common shared image of God that we have in our lives. And so our participation in the ministry of Jesus, I mean, this is, this is what he, he does, not to oversimplify or distill things down into just these things, but this is what Jesus does in his ministry, and this is what he calls his disciples in to do. He calls us to proclaim the gospel, he calls us to help those who need it, and he calls us to love others by being inspired by compassion to provide what is missing in the lives of those who have not made God sovereign in their life. It's easy to think of love as something that we do that's, that's a feeling. It's something that we, you know, think about with someone else. But for Jesus, love was much more of an action. It was a verb. It was something that, that he did. It would be totally valid for Jesus to look at these crowds. They're harassed and helpless. And yeah, because you're making dumb choices. You're, you're making bad decisions. So stop it. Like, that would have completely been valid for, for Jesus. to I don't know if you ever thought about it that, that way before, but it would be fully valid for Jesus to go and say, stop following stupid people. <laughs> like, follow, like, do what God has called you to do, and then you won't have all these issues and problems in your life. But that's not what he does. Instead, he acknowledges that we live in a world in which a higher percentage than should be of people will have messed up lives. You know, he says the harvest is plentiful. That's what he's talking about. They look like most of us, most of us are not going to be in the place that we need to be, and so go ahead and move forward with that expectation. Like understand that when we when we leave this morning, and somebody cuts you off as they're driving, or as you're working this morning, and one of your coworkers again does something dumb, or a customer asks a stupid question, or whatever the thing, yes, there there are stupid questions every once in a while. You know those things happen, but just just know that hey, there's a higher percentage than not than that we're gonna we're gonna come up against those kinds of things. And so don't be surprised by it. Don't be shocked by it. Be prepared to move forward with compassion. The best thing for all of these people, the harvest that is plentiful, that have messed up lives, will be people who had formerly messed up lives, like us, who have been saved, to have developed the capacity for pouring into relationships that lead to the love, joy, peace, hope. Our faith in God as Lord sustains us and help to bring that into fruition into the lives of other people. So I come back to this moment in which I lost my appetite for my, my scones and my jam and clotted cream, which was amazing. And I lost my appetite, you know, without too much regard for this other human being who's created in God's image. And I, and I come to this moment of like, what, what put him in this circumstance in life? I'm certain that there were more than one bad decisions that he had made. Uh, maybe you know he's responsible for addiction in his life. I, I, maybe he had some kind of mental health issue. Um, I don't know what his life had been like. I don't know what he experienced as a child. I don't know what brought him to that place where he, where he is. Uh, but there were a couple of things that happened that drew my perspective in. The first was the worker who showed up a couple minutes later following this guy down the street. And it wasn't somebody who was coming coming along to tell him to to, to, to go away or to you know um, yell at him or, or, or whatever. It wasn't that. It was somebody who's come along with a mop and a bucket. And that's what she was doing. Every twenty feet or so, she would stop and she would mop, and she'd put a little wet wet floor you know sign here, and she would continue on and just follow along behind this man. And you know. Um, you can be cynical and say oh yeah I mean she's paid to do that you know she, she's there no nobody signs up in their job to to do that kind of stuff that's not, that's not why they're doing that and yet here's this person who was just quietly just going about doing this task and creating a wholly different environment for the people around them and, and I kind of kind of kind of jolted me a, a little bit and I thought man you know what a what a different different way that I can be thinking about this. You know, a different approach that this other person is modeling and showing in their lives. Um, she was laboring among the consequences of what others had left behind and yet by doing that she was creating a better a better place for everyone else um, around around her. And maybe even providing a little bit of dignity for this man who I'm, I'm sure when he grew up, he wasn't thinking, oh, you know what I want to do? I want to publicly vomit, like, on the street in front of people. Like, that, that's my life goal. The second, the second thing that kind of drew my perspective back in, and I, and I think this is not me, like, being wise in the moment. This is the Holy Spirit kind of kicking me in the face, I think. Um, the second was the night my dad and I were walking uh, down the street back to our hotel. We had just finished dinner, and we're walking down the street, and, uh, and I look up. And there's this guy, you know, as, as happens in cities, there's this guy sitting, sitting on the sidewalk by himself, and you can tell that's where, that's where he's planning on spending the night by himself. Um, and he was there, but, but he, he, he didn't remain by himself. There's this young woman who was coming out of the pub, and she was just getting a cigarette before she went back into the pub, and she crossed the street and knelt down and started talking with this guy. And in my head, I'm thinking, right, and remember, I'm slow. In my head, I'm thinking... What is, she, what is she thinking? Like, why would she put herself in, in that kind of a situation? Because, uh, you know, it's at night. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, there's, there's people like right, right there across the street, but still, um, what, what a strange thing to do. Um, again, I need grace too. No perfect people allowed. So, as I'm walking by, I kind of overhear a little bit of the conversation. I don't hear the whole thing, and, I, you know, and maybe I'm assuming too much, but I hear her saying something to the effect of, you know, hey, this is something that my brother dealt with. And these are some of the things that we did. You know, and that's about as much of the conversation as I heard. And what I realized that as I kept walking down, down the street was is that here, here's this person who is recognizing not the situation that this person is in or why they're in, but they're just recognizing the humanity of the individual who's there on the street. And without, um, without judgment, with condemnation, they are seeing an opportunity for them to use a life experience in their past to give some hope to this person who's there. you know, the, for me, filling in the blanks, my, my thought was, she said, hey, she had this brother who dealt with addiction or what, whatever it is, and she was giving, just planting a seed of hope in this person. Not expecting, I don't think, to walk away and think, oh, this person's life is going to be changed. They're going to get up. They're going to go, you know, clean themselves up, and everything's going to be different. But they're planting a seed in their life that, hey, life doesn't have to, doesn't have to be this way. They don't have to stay, stay the way that those things are and they took time out of their day to share that message of hope with that person. That's compassionate work. Moving, moving past all the reasons why the state someone is in might be fair and might be completely justified. You know, you made a bunch of dumb decisions. Of course you're, you're going to be in this place in your life. Um, it might be, you know, be fair for them to struggle through, and, but instead, you know, acknowledging someone's humanity, acknowledging the fact that God made them that person in his image, acknowledging the fact that at one point um, we were sinners separated from God, and yet he came to us to change that saddest inner life. Um, and in following the example of Christ, it, you know, the way that Jesus models his ministry, that what he calls us into is, his disciples is he says, Hey, where there are the helpless, we're the ones who are helping. And that, that's that's what compassion looks like. It's, a, it's that gut deep feeling um, that, that's not turning our stomach, you know, to to like want to get away, but it's it's to to take action and to provide help in that moment. Acknowledging that we want to help in healthy ways, acknowledging that it's reasonable to set boundaries and expectations for others when we when we help. Um, Acknowledging that there are real challenges to wading into what might be a mess. Love defined by compassion is what we work toward as followers of Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. A lot of people with problems in the world. And and ranging and varying in different degrees. Some of us deal with problems ourselves. Uh, But we are called to be the workers in that harvest. And chief among the reasons for why we're called to be the workers is that we are those who, who know what it used to be to be helpless before Jesus in our lives. And it's because of the salvation that we enjoy with God. Despite the fact that it might seem difficult or even overwhelming to step in the causes to help others, we know that we have something better waiting on us. And so let me just read this final text from Hebrews chapter 10. This is verses 32 through 39. Recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And one of the things that hinders us from being compassionate is just because we have stuff going on too. We're not perfect people. Our faith is, I mean, I'm not, you know. I, I just gave you a couple examples in, in how, how I'm not. And sometimes we just get distracted by our own stuff going on. And it's hard sometimes to have the capacity for other people and, and their problems <laughs> and, and want to help them because sometimes we're the people who need help. Here, this, the Hebrew writer points this out and acknowledges, hey, sometimes just by very virtue of being a Christian, you know, it's not all roses and puppies and clouds and rainbows. Uh, sometimes the, the very act of us following Jesus is what puts us into harm's way. Uh, people that reject Jesus, they reject us, and sometimes that makes life more difficult in a sin-broken world. It often means that we are placed in unfair situations of our own. But we've got something better than this life waiting on us. We, we've got a, a very unique hope in our life. And, and that puts us in a different place when it comes to being engaged in the lives of other people. Those who have the hope that we have through Jesus, I mean, we have the strength to provide hope to other people. God gives us more than enough. To be able to share with others and that's where our endurance comes from in being able to tackle problems and show compassion to people without being overwhelmed And one of the benefits of living life in this way is that when we make an effort to lead with compassion Is that it provides us with a more hopeful perspective that a difference can be made? Because it happens all the time Life change takes place all the time It's so easy to get upset about stuff to proclaim strong opinions, and to wash our hands of problems that seem too difficult, and yet none of that does anything productive. That's called shrinking back. That's called being destroyed. That's called being directed by life rather than God directing us in how we live life. As people of faith, we preserve the well-being of our hearts and our minds and our souls by being confident in the hope of Christ and proclaiming capacity for changed lives by showing compassion to those who might not even deserve it but certainly need it, just like we have needed it. The harvest is plentiful, which means that it's going to seem overwhelming at times. There are plenty of things that need our attention. There's so many causes that we could engage in. There's so many things that maybe affect us personally that, that we feel really strongly about. And um, it might seem overwhelming, but don't, don't forget that we are not the lords of the harvest. As Jesus says, God is the Lord of the harvest. And faithfully working doesn't necessarily look like us being the ones that tackle every single thing and create change all over the world and and that every time we reach into help, somebody's life is going to be completely different from that point on. But it is the consistent, enduring effort over time with an eternal perspective that joins us together with God's will that can create that eternal change in someone's life. Maybe, maybe for you, you look at a baby bottle full of change and you think, man, for all the things that are out there that need support, stuff, so this is just a drop in the bucket. Or, or spending time with kids with fresh start on Thursday, Thursday evenings, you think, what, what, is that? what is that really accomplishing? Or feeding people on Saturdays with moments of hope. You know, what, what is that, you know, or, or even supporting a child that, that I'm never gonna meet um, that lives in, a, in another country. I mean, what is, that? what is that really accomplishing? Well, on our own, Maybe, maybe not as much as we think is important, but we're not doing that on our own. It's us partnering with God's will. It's us partnering with fellow believers all over the world. And, and the world has consistently been changed ever since Jesus showed up on the timeline. Consistently, eternities have been redirected because of people simply showing compassion and taking action and providing help to those who are around us. Maybe we be compassionate people who take action in ways that God has enabled us to and called us to. It might not seem like a fair interruption in the moment, especially when you're trying to enjoy your tea and your scones. And it's not necessarily an extreme example. You know, it doesn't have to be this you know, big, glorified you know, thing that we step into, it could be a coworker or neighbor that just needs, needs our help, needs some time to talk or process something in our lives. But aren't we grateful in those moments that we get to consider that you know, Jesus' compassion at the cross, you know, he he didn't he didn't approach that as an interruption to his day. He didn't approach that as a matter of fairness when he made that decision to be a sacrifice for for us. Um aren't we grateful that he didn't base his decision on those things? His willingness to share his compassion with us. And this continues this compassion from Jesus continues to provide us with an enduring faith despite our past or present or even in our future. And so let me, let me encourage you to, to take some time at the tables in the lobby to think about some, maybe some practical ways that you can show compassion. And let me encourage you that if you don't know the compassion of God, um, if you're not sure like, what it means to uh, receive the compassion of Jesus, that this is a place for you to, to figure that out to ask those questions. And so I'd love to meet you in the lobby. Um, reach out to us, velocitychurch.info, shoot me an email, whatever's, whatever's comfortable, comfortable for you so we can talk about what it means to, um, what it means to have lives that are changed uh, by who Jesus is and how he approaches our lives. Let's pray. God, we thank you for, um, we thank you for the fact that your approach is not our approach. Um, that, that you look at us differently than sometimes how we look at ourselves or how we look at each other. And God, we thank you for the example of Jesus and in, uh, in how we're called to treat each other. Um, God, help us to, um, as we're confronted by, by messes in in the lives of those around us, or maybe even our our own, help us to um, lead with compassion rather than lead with you know what we think is is fair. God, help us to, to move past maybe our, our feelings in the moment and think through uh, the moments to come and how, how our actions, how our response can play a part in, in changing someone's life. God, we uh, thank you for the, the change that you have brought to us through Jesus. And we praise you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.